those trackers. We're trying to pick up the communication. Another exciting installment of the War Report radio series. Today we have a special guest named Jaja Shakur. I'm going to get into that a little bit later. Uh, today is August 7th, Go Hard Monday. Today's a Monday, August 7th, 2017, Go Hard Monday, followed by Consistency Tuesday and Focus on Your Craft Wednesday. I'm one day removed from going down to New Orleans for the first time. I've done a lot of traveling, and I'm excited. Never been in New Orleans, so we're going to play it by ear. I'm down there from Tuesday to Sunday. So anybody that sees this broadcast is in New Orleans, come holla at me. Today's guest, Jaja Shakur, hip-hop philosopher. We're going to get into that. I got a lot of good questions for him coming up. I'm not going to waste too much of your time. This is just the intro video. Intro audio. You know how it goes, man. We got the audio video component to it now. We done stepped our game up at here at the War Report. Not a lot of people are blessed enough to have their own home studio. Or blessed enough to put in the time and hours it takes to put in the money to create their own home studio. So we're broadcasting today. Censorship free, expressing our right to the First Amendment, freedom of speech. We're going to get into some mature topics today. I'm not going to waste your time anymore. Here comes the interview, guys. Straight ahead. Peace. Okay, we are back here at the War Report. I got my special guest with me. His name is Dr. Ja Joshua Kaur. Introduce yourself, brother, and what you do. Let him know. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? This is Dr. Jaja Shakur, the hip-hoppreneur, the ultimate hip-hop hustler. I am the founder of the Hip-Hop Entrepreneurship Program at Essex County College in North New Jersey. It's the first program of its kind that teaches hip-hop pedagogical methodologies, which simply means hip-hop teaching methods in order to teach students on how to monetize their brand, how to create business uh, brands and business concepts from a hip hop perspective. It's called the Hip Hop Entrepreneurship Program, where I teach hip hop business principles from a hip hop perspective, and students are required to create a business plan based upon the principles that I teach. So, this program has been in existence since January 2014. Then, we had it once again in September. Of 2014 now is a permanent course of study at Essex County College here in Newark, New Jersey, and I own all of the intellectual property to this particular program. And now I am licensing out the program to colleges, universities, elementary schools, and after-school programs here in Newark, New Jersey, New Jersey, America, and throughout the world. Just okay, hold on, hold on. Before we get too crazy, too crazy. <laughs> you said yeah. that you own all the intellectual property yes. of your program. Yes. Now, a lot of people listening may not know how to even own intellectual intellectual property, right? Right. So, like, 
uh, before you talk about like uh, who you who you're gonna license it out, license right. it out to, because I do want you to get into that. Definitely. Uh, speak a little bit into how you uh, own your your own intellectual property, please, because a lot of people don't know, especially black people. We're right, right. <laughs> so I want you I want you to uh, touch bases with that real quick. So in the legal world, there's something called IP. IP is short for intellectual property. Intellectual property simply means any type of original material that someone create that is non-material that you want to become material and now you have to get a license from the government in order for you to have ownership of this property so that's anywhere from trademarks that's anywhere from logos that's anywhere from publishing uh, uh, that's anywhere from uh, lyrics that's anywhere from books that's anywhere from you know curriculums so, okay so, so how, yeah. how important really is it to own your own intellectual property in hip hop then well what i've been teaching for the last 20 plus years is a concept called sovereignty sovereignty simply means self-governance self-government that simply means that you are free to create produce duplicate and then distribute your particular creations so it's very important in the hip-hop world because if you don't have ownership of your intellectual property in the music industry it's something called your masters yeah and if you don't have ownership of your masters the record companies will have control of your masters mm-hmm. the masters is the, is the original uh tape or the original uh music or musical composition uh to an artist a particular creation so it's something called sound recording. Sound recordings is when you go to a recording studio mm-hmm. and you record your music. Now the sound that you are recording, which is your voice or which is your original music or your sample music that you are uh, creating in the studio, is now on a sound recording or a master tape or a master copy. Okay. And then the record company is now having ownership of it unless you have a joint venture agreement with that particular record company that you have part ownership or total ownership of that sound recording okay all right now get into where you're going to license out your program i want to i want to i want to know about that and right uh, i want to know about your curriculum as far as what you teach at Essex county what books do the students read uh what do you have them doing in your classroom right right, right. how's it all how's it all work speak about speak about the program right. now so the program is being licensed out to uh, Rutgers Business School. I'm in conversation with them right now in reference to what will that agreement be in terms of my intellectual property going out. Um, like I said, I have ownership. I have copyrights to it. Um, so I'm looking at Rutgers Business School here in Newark, New Jersey, as well as Rutgers Business School out in New Brunswick. Mm-hmm. Um, also, a Harvard Business School is definitely much interested. And people say, why Harvard Business School? Uh, because Harvard Business School is one of the top business schools in America and throughout the world. They also have the Nasir uh, Jones, which is uh, the rapper Nas. His uh, has something out there called the Nas Fellowship, where people can st- go and study hip-hop. Um, um, culture um, at Harvard uh, University in mm-hmm. uh, the uh, Nasir Fellowship is there and I studied at Harvard University so they are interested as well as uh, New Jersey City University is interested um, as well as Oxford University in England um, the University of uh, Cape Town in South Africa is interested oh, wow. so we have all these different institutions uh, NYU New York mm-hmm. University Ed Tech uh, 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 accelerator program is interested in this particular program. So all across America and throughout the world, I've been I've been getting calls and emails from uh, these institutions that want my particular program. And in my class, it's very very interesting, and dope because 
you know, in my classroom, the first thing that I teach uh, the students is mindset. Mm-hmm. If you don't have the mindset of a business owner, if you don't have the mindset of a boss, then you will be bossed. Yeah, you're going to be bossed around. Oh, you will be bossed. You'll be bossing yeah. around. You'll be clowning around. Because most people, when they think about a boss, they think you're going to sit behind the table in a chair. You're going to boss people around. That's not what bosses do. You know, real bosses, they are involved in the daily activities of their business. And they yeah. are delegating responsibility to other people. But yeah. they are not bossing people around at all. No, no, no. They're leading. Definitely. By example. Yeah. By example. Yeah, yeah. they're doing... Everything that it takes to get done. That's a Definitely. good boss, at least. A good boss is going to do whatever it takes to get done. Yeah. And he's going to put himself on the line first and foremost. You know what I mean? And protect his brand, his legacy. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. But yeah, I'll let you speak more about that. So, um, and then, and then um, you know, involved in my class, the first thing I do, I teach, uh, you know, the students that, you know, you are a boss. But what is a boss? What does it mean to be a boss? What does it mean to be bossy? What does it mean to be an entrepreneur? What is entrepreneurship? That's the first day or the first week of my class. I'm going to the principles that create the mentality of a boss. And what is the environmental circumstances that allow someone to even have a boss mentality? And in the hip-hop world, what creates a boss is that the conditions that the individual are in. And for the most part, growing up in inner-city urban environments, we are involved in poverty. And poverty is the lack of resources, but there really is not a lack of resources. It's a lack of the information to get the resources so that you could become that boss of yourself as well as the boss of a company. So the first level of being a boss is is that you have to have the mentality. The second level of a boss is that you have to have a team. You know, people always talk about Jay-Z. Yes, he is a billionaire. Yes, Beyonce is going towards a billionaire. Yes, Dr. Dre and Puffy is billionaire status. But when you look at a person like a Jay-Z, his best friend name is Tata. Mm-hmm. And Tata is the one who handled the majority of his business deals. Really? You know? Yeah. What do you mean by that as far as on paperwork? Or are you talking about he delegates to Tata to, to be a part of his business deal? Right. I know he's been a part of Rockefeller since... You know what I mean? He's been rapping about him for like forever. So uh, yeah, he's definitely been an integral member. And even when Jay Z has split ties with a Damon Dash or whatever the case may be, Def Jam, Tata is still with Jay Z. Definitely, yeah. So they've been together since you know kindergarten. (laughs) So you know Jay Z be forty seven years old this year. Tata is in you know his late forties, his mid forties as well. Mm -hmm. So that shows you the ingenuity, the intellectuality. As well as the comradeship between these two individuals. And in order for you to grow and build a business, you need team players who have the best interests of you at heart. And when you're building your team, it doesn't mean that someone is, uh, you know, have to always like you all the time. You don't have to like them all the time. But if they're handling the money, if they're handling the paperwork, they're handling the partnership agreements and the joint venture agreements that you need to have as a business owner, then you rock with that individual or those individuals inside of your corporation in terms of your team uh, development. And this is what I teach them inside my classroom, as well as teaching, you know, the artists, as well as the, uh, you know, really teaching artists on how to be entrepreneurs. Most artists don't know how to strike the balance of being an artist or entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. So that's what Jay-Z has mastered. He has mastered the balance of how to be an entrepreneur and be an artist at the same exact time. Okay. And when you are on the stage rapping, you don't, 
get off the stage and go get your money. You need somebody who has your best interests at mind and is good at math, mm. as well as good at accounting, and, and as well as good as you know uh, organizational skills. Who's gonna get your money and put it in the right and proper places, which is a bank, not in the shoebox. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and place your money inside of a bank where your money could be seen and then your money could be felt, and you can have impact for your company and your corporation. Okay, quick question. Uh, I went to your website and it says you're the hip hop philosopher. Yes. Now, what what does that mean? What yes. is what do you mean you're the hip hop philosopher? So I have two websites. My personal website is jajashakur.com. That's J A H J A H Shakur like Tupac S H A K U R dot com. Jajashakur.com. And what we mean by hip hop philosopher? A hip hop philosopher is someone. Who philosophizes Someone who deals with philosophy And philosophy comes from the root term uh, Sophia or Soph And Soph means wisdom And Philos means the love of So I'm a lover of wisdom And when you're dealing with hip hop Most people deal with the art of hip hop But what about the science of hip hop Hip hop is not only an art But it's also a science And the science of hip hop deals with law L-A-W which means love or wisdom so I'm a lover of all wisdom, the love of all truth, the love of all facts. So any facts or any information that's going to lead me or lead my culture into impacting, impacting, you know, human development and human growth and civilization, uh, growth and development, that's what I will accept. Yeah, that's what you're going to not only pay attention to, but give light into. And, yes. And, and you're going to share with others. Definitely. And what's going on with hip hop now is that there's a violation of law. What do you mean by that? What the do you first, mean the first law of hip hop is originality. Like okay. right now, we at the War Report right now, right? Yeah. And the War Report is originality. I mean, the setup is dope. I haven't seen the setup like this. Yeah. So appreciate it. So if a person was to come in here and was it was to duplicate your setup, they will be doing what is called biting or copycat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first rule of hip hop is originality. And if anybody do that, they could get clowned for that. Yeah. So right now in the hip hop right now You have people who are duplicating the same exact sound The South got their own sound The East Coast got their own sound The West got their own sound Britain, London, England, Canada has its own sound But when you duplicate the sound of another region You are biting And this is why the East Coast of hip hop Is being clowned right now by the entire hip hop world Because okay. it's too much duplicating of the southern sound Or duplicating of the same sound that you always hear on radio And that's a no-no So being a hip hop philosopher I'm a Follow-up rules and regulations and okay. laws. You're you're a purist. You're a hip hop purist. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was gonna uh, divvy up hip hop fan base questions as far as like who you're <laughs> listening to to yes. towards the other like the back end of the interview. But well, right. let's get into that now. Um, since we want to talk about different regions and different right, things right. like that, right? So like. Who would you grow up listening to as far as hip hop? Like, like you know what I mean? How? What's your start out in hip hop? Uh, what artist is like your favorite artist to listen to? Right. Uh, give me your top five MCs. Ooh. See, it's deep that you say my top five MCs because really, hip hop has errors. Yeah. Well, we. That's another. Question. <laughs> that's okay. another question we get into. So my into. top five. My top five. Number one is definitely Karis One. Okay. And the reason why I say Karis One is because he was dope for his era, which was eighty six to like ninety six. Um, but the body of work that he has put out He has over 30 plus albums The man is 51 years old Still touring the world Still touring America Get $25,000 a show Shout to KRS So one. to me he's number one Shout Then to number two I gotta go with Jay-Z Okay 
because Jay-Z has a body of work as well and mm-hmm. Jay-Z also has impacted not only hip-hop but has impacted youth culture in America and throughout the world. the world at this point. He impacted the world. Yeah. And then number three, I have to go with Gotta go with Rakim, man. Okay. Because Rakim came out with a style that just can't be duplicated. And he created a style and a flow and a swag that other MCs who came after him, they end up being impacted by that flow. Okay. Number four, I gotta go with Nas, man. Nas, okay. I gotta go with Nas. Nas has definitely impacted, you know, definitely has done great work. Um, And then number five, I gotta go with Pac. All right, I just wanna say. I gotta go with Pac. I just wanna say, but before we even. Break down your top five. I want I, I want to give you props because you're bringing credibility to this platform right now with no your doubt. top five MCs. Uh, you know I don't have to worry about you going <laughs> off the the rocker. You know what I'm right, saying? Right. Saying some bullshit ass artists. Definitely, definitely. And uh, so that's a very respectable top five. I have no, no complaints. Uh, I don't have KRS one in my top five, that's but cool. I do have Rakim, Jay, Nas, right. and Pac. Okay. I, I, I replace KRS one with uh, Notorious B.I.G. Right, right. Uh, but similar, you know what I mean? You, everybody has the right to their right, own opinion, and right. that's definitely a respect, respectable opinion. But well, people always talk about who is the best. There is no best in hip-hop. Okay. Because hip-hop has errors, and people are the best in their errors. Like, for instance, to me, even though Jay is on my top five, he's not the best because the era that he came in, there was those who came before him was... The best in their era Okay So the reason why I don't say Who is the best Okay Quick question you know what I mean? uh, No 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 it's cool It's yeah, cool Quick question right Cause I wanted to get into this right You obviously have a lot more Hip hop experience and knowledge Than me I was born in 92 right Wow So uh, around that time I guess like Wu-Tang was just coming out You know what I'm saying Ooh. Or something like that like, Or groups. like uh, Tribe Called Question Yeah or something groups. like that Yep Right so um, Break down the hip hop stages Like from 78 with uh, Cool Herc, you know what I'm saying, right. up until now, what's how many stages have hip-hop, has hip-hop been through? And, uh, yeah, that's the question. How many right. how many stages has hip-hop been through in your eyes? Well, and K- Karis One wrote a book in 2009 called The Gospel of Hip-Hop for the Hip-Hop. It's called The Gospel of Hip-Hop, the first instrument for the Temple of Hip-Hop by Powerhouse Books. His book uh, publishing company called I Am Hip Hop, and I'm one of the publishers, and my name is definitely in the credits in the back of the book. That's Give him a plug. Um, so in this book, he talk about the different ages in hip hop, and the first age was the dark age. Mm-hmm. That's from 1960 to 1970, where the first creators of hip hop, the Cool Herc's, the Africa Man Bodies, the Grandmaster Flashes, the Grandmaster Kaz, the you know uh, Cool Herc sister, uh, they called her Pep, but her name is Cindy Campbell. Okay, um, that's from 1960 to 1970. 1970 to 1980, what will be the light age of hip hop? Um, and then you had uh, from 70 to 1980, you will have the golden age of hip hop. Um, 90 to you know up to you know 2000, we call that you know uh, uh, the the dark age of hip hop. Once again, it was a new dark age, and mm-hmm. the reason why we said the new dark age was because. Uh, the, the culture started clashing with corporations and the corporations mm-hmm. they won for the most part in okay. terms of the public image of hip hop but hip hop as a culture has won because hip hop as a culture has supplied um, the entire human family with a culture that's a multicultural culture that has the ability to transform the entire human family so you have that duality there okay. then now the age that we live in there now is the enlightenment age the enlightenment age is the age where hip hop must become free 
of the corporations by creating our own corporations like you know Chance the Rapper and Tech Nine and people like uh 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 uh, Kendrick Lamar and the whole TDE J. Cole. J. Cole, J. Rock. So we have a lot of dope artists out here today, and a lot of purists. I argue with them all the time because they think that hip hop is not flourishing, but it is, and I know that for a fact by traveling. Hip hop is a one point five trillion dollar national international economy. Yeah, and then hip hop is not only a culture within itself; it's now pop culture. Okay, yeah, that's that's it's pop culture. That's one thing I wanted to touch bases on with you, right? So. You're a consultant. Uh, you do yes. you do do consulting, right? And yes. How do you break down the companies, the landscape of the one trillion dollar industry? Mm-hmm. Apparently, that is hip. I don't know. Are you sure it's a trillion, man? It's that a sound, trillion. It's a, maybe like a billion. No, it's well, a trillion. We already got billionaires in. I, so. I, could, I could break that down for you. Yeah, break that down. Um, how did you reach that number first of all? Right. And uh, like, how do you break that down to an uh, unsuspecting? Brand or company that wants to that wants somebody to endorse their product, and they, right. they may be looking at uh, a popular hip hop artist of today. Right. So when I say trillion dollars, it's based upon research that I was doing for my book that's coming out um, called Hip Hop Business One Hundred and One, and then another book called The Business of Hip Hop: The New American Dream. And in this research, I came to find this particular research study that says that hip-hop is a $1.5 trillion a year business, national and international economy. It's a, a study by Package Facts, which is a marketing firm out in Oregon. And uh, not only is hip-hop dealing with music, hip-hop is dealing with fashion, it's dealing with tech, it's dealing with automobile okay. industry. It's sneakers. Dealing, it's dealing with sneakers, it's dealing with art, it's yeah. dealing with politics, it's dealing with education. Yeah. Cars. It's dealing with cars, so it's a lifestyle brand. Yeah. Now... As a music industry, hip hop as a music industry is into the billions. But when you look at hip hop as pop culture, not only in America but throughout the world, hip hop is this one point five trillion dollar economy. Then we look at technology. You look at you know just with the whole streaming industry and dealing with social media, it has impacted. You know, look at Facebook for instance. Facebook is a thirty to forty to fifty billion dollar company. How much is hip hop influencing that? Even in with Twitter. So yeah. we impacting entire industries, the whole entire industries is being affected by hip hop as a culture. Almost like we built this entire universe built around hip hop where you can't really ignore its aspect in all yeah. things kinda. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Because we kinda breathe it and we kinda live it, so we don't even really picture mm-hmm. how it's affecting Twitter because Twitter wouldn't be anything without Black Twitter, technically, what? right? What? <laughs> who who would care about Twitter exactly. if it wasn't for black Twitter, right? Right. Uh, so yeah, I guess you have a point there, man. And then you gotta look at the whole the Black Lives Matter movement. If you want to deal with hip hop and social justice, hip hop influences that the whole the whole social justice movement. So there's so many different things that hip hop has affected from an economical standpoint, and even inner city urban development. When you talk about gentrification, most of the individuals in America who's part of the uh, of the new gentrification movement or the new urban development movement, let me say that are hip hoppers. Okay. So hip hop has influenced not only just music and culture, but also popular culture and also lifestyle brands as well. Okay, okay. I wanted to uh, get right back into the KRS One book because I read it on yes. your website, of course. That uh, I guess you're a philosopher in that type of thinking of his book. Like, uh, speak about that a little bit more. Right. Like, like, do you have you obviously you met KRS One? Yes. Do you know KRS One. Yes. Like, what is your relationship with him? Right. And how how does all of that Going to what you what you teach in your classroom, right? 
Well, I'm a part of Kares One's uh, organization called the Temple of Hip Hop. The Temple of Hip Hop is a hip hop philosophical society mm-hmm. that teaches the philosophy of hip hop. And the philosophy of hip hop, according to the teachings of the Temple of Hip Hop and Kares One, is that rap is something that you do. Hip hop is something that you live. You don't yeah. do hip hop. You are hip hop. Yeah. Hip hop is a philosophy. It's a culture. It's a way of life. It's a psychology that transforms subjects and objects in the effort to express the character of one's inner being. So what hip hop does is that it look at electronical instruments like a turntable, and instead of looking at that turntable as just being a record player like our parents did, yeah, putting uh you know putting uh you know uh having a turntable or a record player putting a record on side of the turntable and putting a needle on it and then picking the needle back up and putting it back down, hip hop said how could I use this instrument as not only an instrument to play records, but how could I cut, mix, and scratch on this instrument to make it into a sound, but a musical instrument that could serve as a one-man band? Mm-hmm. So the first one-man, the first one-man band person who created this concept was a, a DJ by the name of Grandmaster Flash. Yeah. Grandmaster Flash was a student in the, uh, in West Bronx in the 1970s, mm-hmm. and he created the Crossfader. And the Crossfader was this instrument that he created that goes on side of a mixer that have you the ability to cut, mix, and scratch, and use the turntable now as a musical instrument that could be used by individuals. And now this sound is all across the world. Yeah. And this technology transformed technology in the 1970s and 1980s. It was called the Pioneer Sound System, okay. known today. Yeah. So this individual did that and now you know this particular instrument is now all across the world so inside of the temple of hip-hop what we do is that we use uh the existing things inside of the world and we transform them into a new object or a new thing in order to fit the hip-hop ethics or the hip-hop cultural perspective and that's what hip-hop has done in america and all across the world okay so are you familiar the with the teaches. uh the netflix show the get down have you seen oh, that yeah the get down is dope yeah, I'm, well, is dope. yeah i was gonna say that was real informational even yes. though it was like kind of fictional but kind of yes it was very informative on like who grandmaster flash was too definitely a teenager growing up How they looked right. up to him and, and how big And influential Those guys really were In like creating This entire universe That is Now in 2017 Where yep. I can have The War Report radio series Look around it's, Yeah It's hip hop accomplishments Just Definitely. all around us Right now you Definitely know what I, mean? and it, I don't even Really identify With that whole seven Late 70s Early 80s era Right Like that Because I was born in 92 Yet, by the time I was born, hip-hop was well and alive. You know what right, I'm saying? Right, right. So, uh... Quick- well, this is why you're important, though. Not yeah. to cut you off, but yeah, this is why ahead. you're so important because your generation, the reason why you cannot identify with this particular origins of the culture is because the generation that came before you did not institutionalize the culture mm-hmm. where you could come to a hip-hop museum or a hip-hop library or even a digital online learning platform to learn about the origins of hip-hop and media. Okay, well, let me cut you off right there. Are there any hip-hop museums in the country like a like a, like a dedicated strictly to hip-hop? Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, where, where, where are those at? Because I've never right. been to one. 
Well, there's one being uh, created right now in the, in the Bronx right now, right mm-hmm. across the street from Yankee Stadium. Well, it's about time. It's yeah, about time no the doubt. Bronx created one because, you know. Yeah, I mean? so it's being, it's being created right now, and it should be open in 2018, 2019. They're raising up the funds for it. I, I believe they already booked round for it. I'm going to be working with uh, the people there as well uh, in order to create this particular museum. But you also have hip-hop libraries. The University of Cornell University has a hip-hop library where you could learn and you could, uh, you know, go and explore the origins of hip hop as well as uh, Harvard University has the Hip Hop Archive and Research Center. Wow. Uh, William and Mary down in uh, uh, Maryland has the William and Mary Library Archive, Rice University, NYU has the Hip Hop Educational uh, Center there. So, more than 400 universities and colleges in America and throughout the world mm. has hip hop museums or not, not say museums yet, but hip hop libraries. Libraries. And they have okay. uh, courses of study you there as well. Yeah, even in Hamburg, Germany, my home girl, Martha Diaz, just came from there. They have a hip hop museum there. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, quick question, right? Because um, you, you, I kind of cut you off earlier, right? You're talking about the disconnect. Yes. Right? Uh, how did it happen? Why did it happen? <laughs> right. And like, break it down. You know what I mean? Like, right. around what time did hip hop go from being this fun thing to. I'm not even sure what what you would really call what it turned into. <laughs> right. What would you call what it, what it turned into? And just break it down for me, please. Well, like I said earlier, rap is something that you do. Hip hop is something you live. You don't do hip hop, you are hip hop. What that simply means is that hip hop is not seen or is not heard, is not felt. Hip hop is a perception. It's based upon how you creatively interact with the creativity that you create in your mind's eye. So what has happened to disconnect is, is that people lost contact with the original intent of what hip-hop is for. So the original intent what what hip-hop was really for was to transform urban poverty, urban mm-hmm. violence, urban chaos into peace, love, unity, and safely having fun. Mm-hmm. But when you are desperate for money, you no longer adhere to the principles of the culture because you are chasing after the money. Yeah. And this is what has happened in hip hop is that people are chasing after money instead of using the money to produce the culture. So, well, I have a question about that, though, because I don't necessarily 100% agree with you, right? Okay. Because, uh, say, for example, right, uh, NWA, right? right. Let's, let's discuss that real quick. Yes. They're, they say that they report what they see in their community, right? Uh-huh. But they're not really teaching kids to, you know what I mean, have have self-respect or uh-huh. learn or go to the library and learn about your history right. or nothing like that. But right. that's 100% hip-hop, no doubt. Like, you can't no doubt. deny no doubt. It's, it's, it's significance or nothing like that. Right. But, like, would you describe that as part of the problem or just you wouldn't say that it's a problem at all? Well, when you're looking at a group like NWA, you have to go into the origins of NWA. Okay. And when you look at the origins of NWA, they came out with a song called Respect Yourself. They also came out with a song fighting for affirmative, not affirmative action, fighting for First Amendment rights. They also had a song called F the Police, which was talking about, you know, it was really a prophecy because they came out with that song in, 1990, in 1989, 1990. Yeah. Then in 1992, Rodney King beats down on videotape by the police and the mm-hmm. police get exonerated. They get let free. Mm-hmm. So these was individuals who was fighting against the system, but... 
the mainstream music industry as well as the mainstream media made it seem like NWA was some gangsters who was just gangbanging mm-hmm. and that was not the entirety of okay, the Okay, so they've been they they were misrepresented yes. in the mainstream media. Yes. Okay, okay, okay. Definitely. But you know, and then when you also deal with hip hop, right? Like for instance with me, I'm a purist. I deal with the orthodox the orthodoxity of hip hop, which meaning the origins, the principles of hip hop. But don't get it twisted, man. I, I love 50 Cent. Yeah. I love Genius. I love, you know, Cameron. I listen to that, you know? Yeah. So for me, hip hop deals with multiple attitudes. Because it's corny to say that hip hop is all about social justice, yeah, go to the lobby. Not, that's just corny. Not, it's not reality. You know, that's not reality. I, I listen hip-hop to Lil' Kim. So, yeah, hip hop is so diverse now. It's diverse. It's really, it's really, you can choose what you want to listen to nowadays. It's moods. See, the, the problem with hip hop today, or rap music, so to speak, is that there's only one mode or one mood right now. Mm-hmm. We need sexual. Hip hop, we need love. Hip hop, we need violence in hip hop. Yeah, we need you know storytelling in hip hop. We need bullshit in hip hop. Yeah, I mean you need that because as a human being, we deal with the diversity of the human moods. You know, every day I'm not reading a book. Sometimes I go to the club and I'm turning up too. Yeah, you know, I I like to dance and have fun too. You know, I don't engage in drug usage and things of that nature because that's my preference. But those who do that, you know, recreational drugs. If that's what you do, that's your choice. I mean, marijuana. It's not, you know, not even a drug. It's a plant. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I don't engage in that. But at the end of the day, for those who do, that's a diverse mood. So when you're dealing with hip-hop, the purist sometimes, you know, even though I represent that era of hip-hop, also represent the diversity of hip-hop. And some of my purists, I argue with them because in the privacy of their own homes, they turning up. They yeah. smoking weed. They popping pussy. Yeah. You know what I mean? You could you say that on here? Yeah, man. Yeah, we, yeah. Okay, the cool, thing cool. about the report right <laughs> now yeah. is... The great thing about the war report, I would say, is that uh, we're completely 100% uncensored, and we yeah. we are firm believers in the First Amendment. So that's we can what's say up. whatever that's the hell up. we want on this platform, and I'll, 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 I'll definitely make sure to that. Uh, that so we, cats are doing yeah. that, man. Cats bug me out though, you know, with the purists, because at the end of the so, day, so hold on, just to stop you right there, yeah. right? Uh, so one of the questions that I have for you, right, is like, is anybody you think is like just totally whack? Like, yo, this dude is totally whack. He's throwing bullshit in the game. He's right. a biter, and this shit is whack. You little know what I mean? Like, you, little oh, yaddy ass. Little yaddy ass. Yeah, I, I agree, man. Little, your little yaddy ass. I feel as though that you know, uh, what's the other cat? Uh, yaddy is terrible. He's horrible, man. See, what also makes him horrible is that. Even though you didn't come in the era of hip-hop that I came in, I get a sense that you respect the era. See, when you yeah. have a little Yachty or you have a, a person like uh, Rich Homie Quan who get on stage with Lil' Kim and you forget all the lyrics of Biggie Smalls, yeah. Biggie Smalls is a legend in hip-hop. When you mention Biggie Smalls... He hasn't really came name, back from that, though. Rich Homie Quan did a nosedive after that. He, he hasn't come he up did. with nothing hot. He did because you can't. It's, it's like disrespecting your grandmother or your yeah. great grandmother. It's like how could you do that? It's Biggie corny. Smalls is a, is a hip hop ancestor now. Yeah, meaning that the blueprint he's been going for twenty years. Yeah, that's his ancestor, and the blueprint that he laid down is a blueprint that will be forever in hip hop because storytelling, the way in which he told it, and his similes, his philosophies, his metaphors, his his just the content of what he was dealing with at that time and era. Changed the game for that era And it will forever change the game for hip hop So to disrespect him or anyone else Who laid down You know a blueprint in hip hop Is disrespecting your legacy And you will never be successful in doing that Okay 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 but you're but At the same time You're not just the old guy 
get off my lawn type guy. You know what I mean? I, I get a sense from that nah, that you still homies, can appreciate the new artist. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. My homies is like that. Like, for instance, like when you put looking at a person like uh, Young Thug, for instance, right? Yeah, I'm not a huge fan, but he does have some some good songs. And plus, I can't listen to a, a whole right. mixtape. And he's telling a story that most in the black community want to deny. That there is homosexuality in the black community. This homosexuality inside. Now, for me personally, that's not my flavor. I'm not into. It. I love women, but to hide that story is the, to be in denial of a part of the reality of hip hop into the black community. So for me, when I see in that, in all fairness, Young Thug technically has a fiance. Oh, she's beautiful. Oh my yeah. goodness. Oh, she's a fly. She's yeah. beautiful. But he cross dresses. Yeah. So <laughs> I think you I know. know. You know what the thing about Young Thug is like. He got a he got away with a lot of a lot of stuff, you know what I mean? Right, I right. guess you're right, you know what I mean? That does exist within Black right. America, right? right. Or, or all America, right? But Rick right. Ross bugging though, yeah. What, Rick, Rick Ross? Ross is bugging. What yeah. Rick Ross do? You can't say that you are a thug and that you represent thugism and you representing guns and you representing drugs. Uh-huh. And you're a CEO. Well, That's a contradiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a contradiction for hip hop purists. It is, but. At the same time, Ross has made gains in other areas. I feel like he's a good boss for oh, one. Of course, you know what course. I mean. He's a good businessman, so he gets a pass from people that are my age. You know what I mean? Like we we know this inter- right. it's entertainment. So and as long as he can make that record that I could I could spin in my car, right. headed to the club, then Rick Ross is all he's he's, he's a okay with me. He could have been and a CEO. I don't care. I'm, I'm a big Rick plus. Ross a lot fan. of these rappers be lying anyway. A lot of rappers lie about their past as far as. Being this drug right. dealer, whatever the case may be, all like, you know what I mean? Like Jadakiss said, he said, "Why do uh, like eighty five percent of rappers lie in their rhymes?" You know what I mean? Like, but that's the difference between my era and your era because in the era that I come from, if you lied, people will hold you accountable to the lie. Yeah, because in hip hop, hip hop is about telling your truth. This is why when it was found out that Drake, some of his songs would be written by ghostwriters. Yeah, people. Was I have upset. a huge problem with that. I'm plus and minus. I'm plus for goose writing if that's your story and if somebody is writing and you are telling them your story. I'm against it if somebody's writing your story and your story is a lie. Yeah. They are writing a lie about your story. Did you ever, were you ever able to hear that. the um I guess the demo track that uh Quentin Miller had when he was, he was saying all this stuff about late night show out in Calib like I felt like the demo track was way too similar to like a hit record definitely, definitely. that Drake had recently had definitely. gotten success from. Right. And I'm just like, like I it just did not sit dope, well with me. Drake dope though. He's dope. Yeah, he's 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 Drake probably one of the most diverse artists in the game yeah. has possibly ever seen. Definitely. Because he's able to do so many things. He can sing, he can rap. Yeah, he can act. You know I mean? He can act. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he can host award shows he got his own he got his own uh, situation called the OVO 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 yeah he's killing it yeah he's He's killing it but I still have a huge problem with that (laughs) like a lot of people that are my age they they just don't care Uh, I cared about that you know what I mean Drake could never be in my top anything after that the argument is that let's look at for for Jay Z for instance and this is gonna bust your head probably when I say this is that Jay Z some of his songs was written by a guy in Marcy Projects by the name of Source Money. Okay, and look well, at Jay Z. I don't, I don't, I'm, I don't have any facts to that right now. Facts. You know what I'm saying? But like, like I, got I know who Source Money is because he was on Reasonable Doubt for yeah. one track. He wrote some of Jay Z stuff as well as Jazz O in, in the very beginning of uh, Jay Z's career. Okay, 
And and you gotta look at Jay Z, Jay Z, Jazzo, Jazzy. Yeah. Where did he get that from? So yeah. people interchange with one another in terms of lyrics and things of that nature. But I don't think that the authenticity of a person could be questioned if it's their story. But if all your music is being written by a person, then we question. See, hip hop is the only musical genre where the artist is held accountable to writing their own music. When you look at R and B, Neo wrote a lot of people's stuff. Yeah. Beyonce, a lot dream. of her stuff. The dream. Yeah. Look at Beyonce. A lot of her stuff is written by her sister. Solange. True. Yeah. Let's look at the credits. Okay. Let's look at the credits. So I'm not against that, but for hip hop is the first musical genre where not only will you have to write your own lyrics, you also have to live what you write. Okay. And this is why a lot of artists get caught up in uh, 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 legal situations because they are held accountable to the things that they rap about. Mm-hmm. Hip hop is the first. Hip hop is like uh, uh, Chuck D from Public Enemy said that hip hop is the CNN of the black community. Actually, now hip hop is the CNN of the entire the war world. War Report's the new CNN of the black community. Huh? I said the War Report is going to be the new Report. CNN there of the black community. There you go. <laughs> you go. You got you to gotta brand that. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. You got to brand that because that could be something that you could run with in terms of niche marketing. Okay. Oh. Yeah. I of that. See? Yeah. It just came to my head. You know what I mean? Yeah. We vibing in the studio. That's Let's what happens. Let's sometimes. do it. Next question, real quick. You know what I mean? Uh, you've been in the industry. I'm assuming you. Would, yes. you, would you would you say that? Yeah. What's so some of the, yeah, what's some of the craziest things that you've seen? Not, not I'm not sure if you want to get into that just yet, but I kind of want to talk about. We that. could. We could. I've been in the music industry um, actually all my life. My father used to have a singing group called the Superlatives in Jersey City, New Jersey. Okay. Where I'm from, originally born and raised there, and um, they used to sing with Cool in the Gang. He went to school with Cool in the Gang. Yeah. Henry Snyder High School as well as Lincoln High School in Jersey City. So I've been around music all my life. On Saturdays, my mother used to always play the Temptations, the OJs, um, all the music, you know, uh, Teddy Pendergrass. But professionally, I got into the music in uh, the music industry in 1990. Um, my brother was an artist. He used to uh, tour with uh, uh, Tribe Called Quest, mm-hmm. uh, Jungle Brothers. Okay. Um, he used to be around, you know, uh, Plug One and Pasta News from um, you De, know, La De La Soul. Yeah, um, I like to call myself Plug Latifah. One now. <laughs> It's like my new moniker yeah, on the uh, war report because I'm Mike One. I call myself Plug One. That's dope. <laughs> so I was I've been around it, man. And then I was a, I also used to rap back in the day, you know. Okay. And I used to be an artist and things of that nature. But when I saw my brother get robbed out of you know his money um, three different times, I said I, I'm finished with being a rapper. I want to go to the music or the, the business side, not the music side of it, yeah. and teach artists on how to monetize and how not to get jerked. Uh, after doing hard work So I've been in it since 1990 And my weirdest thing that I've ever been involved with Was a lot though <laughs> But um Just just one story you know, One you know story I, mean? I was in, I was in Canada with Karis One You know And uh, it was the uh, Rock the Bells tour Wu-Tang okay. was there um, 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 Joe Buttons and the whole Slaughterhouse team was there Okay Tech what year is this though? We're talking about uh, 2008 Okay 2008 I was there It and wasn't then, too long ago Yeah not too long ago yeah. yeah yeah it was about Nine years ago I got other stories as well But this is one of the Weirdest ones Yeah We was in Canada I was stuck in Canada Carrie's one was answering his phone Yeah I'd never been in Canada before On that level I've been visited there But not on that level On the music game mm-hmm. And um, I didn't know How to get back <laughs> I was oh, stuck in Canada Wow You know I only had a hundred dollars And I had to get back To Michigan Depends on where you at in Canada. Yeah. Because if you were across the river, right? Can't you just technically walk across the border or something like that? Well, the thing you can't even walk now because you have to have a, you, you need a passport to get to Canada and to get out of Canada. Yeah, you didn't have your passport. I had my passport. 
but am I gonna walk over? Yeah, <laughs> in walk. the dark. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in the dark. So how'd you nobody get home? knows me. How'd you get home? So the way in which I got home, I, I I knew some homies there, whatever, um, who knew Karis one as well. So what happened was they put me on the Greyhound bus, gave me a hundred dollars. Already had a hundred dollars. Got on a, a Greyhound. Got to Canada. I got caught up at the Canadian border. They did a, a check and it was just holding me, you know, mm-hmm. for like three hours. They eventually let me go. Mm-hmm. I ended up getting to Michigan. And I took a cab to the hotel and mm-hmm. that's how I got back. Okay. Yeah, right. but I didn't know how I was going to get back. And then um, that was crazy though because I was like, damn, how am I going to get back or whatever? And I just, you know, had to, you know, find my way back. Okay. Uh, other than uh, KRS One, who's probably like the your favorite artist or like your favorite. Time to be around one of them. You know what I mean. Like, what what was the what's a, what's the one moment that sticks out to you as far as like an artist that you may have consulted or worked with in the past right. that like really sticks out to you still? Just telling on my age a little bit, but I'm gonna go back. Yeah, in 1996, man, I met Jay Z. Okay, he came to North New Jersey, and me and my team consulted him. Okay, and we already knew he was gonna blow up. You know, reasonable doubt. Was just about to come out uh-huh. um, He came to North New Jersey Robert Street Hotel He was doing a, a, a party Or whatever He was gonna do Like a pre-release party Him and uh, Foxy Brown song Ain't, mm-hmm. Ain't No Nigga Just came out Yeah um, And um, he was doing a tour A promo tour And we chopped it up With him behind the stage We videotaped him We had a uh, We was the first digital uh, 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 Mixtape uh, magazine That came out Called Shades of Hip Hop You go do your research on that Okay And um, we interviewed Jay-Z And we chopped it up with him and we gave him advice in terms of the music industry and um, some of the things that he needed to do um, to have longevity he was very wise beyond his years he was 26 years old and he dropped a, you know, a lot of jewels towards us we dropped a lot of jewels towards him okay. and um, building with him we just knew that one day he would be that, that, that nigga you know, yeah, in the music yeah, industry yeah. as well as for the business side of it because his business acumen was so you know, he was so strong tight. even back then it was strong I mean he come from the streets and he was very wise Beyond his years And now today He's You know A billionaire Yeah okay Yeah Oh man That's a great story Another question Before You know what I mean We wrap up And I ask you Some some uh, exit questions Right no doubt. I want to get into The last name Shakur Right ah, So yeah. like Were you born With that last name mm-hmm. uh, How does that How does the whole Shakur <laughs> Last name aspect right. How's it? How's it like living living under that aspect? I guess like you know, what I mean, people associate with Tupac Shakur. Right, right, right. You could even um, even like dating back to uh, what is it? Uh, Sada Shakur, right? Definitely. In Cuba, yeah. right? Like, yeah. Like, what's what's that like for you? First of all, right. and then we'll get into the uh, your your views on the Sada Shakur, if you don't right. mind. Well, that's a that's a good question. A lot of people ask me that, especially when I go into high schools and elementary schools, and uh, you know, students are very aware of Tupac and they ask me, "Are you related to Tupac? That's your brother? Y'all related? Things of that nature." The question is the the question is a great one. The answer is is that I'm not blood related to Tupac, but I was involved with an organization called the New Black Panther Party, and I see you have Dr. Harry P. Newton, mm-hmm. who is one of the founders of the original Black Panther Party on your wall. Yeah, and um, he's definitely one of my mentors and my spiritual guides. As well, and I um, became a member and founder of the New Black Panther Party on the East Coast in 1998. Okay, it was me and two other guys. Uh, uh, it was another guy by the name of Jamil Jones, now today as Jamil Shaka Shakur Jones, as well as Shaka Shakur, another guy who had another organization that he was involved with, which was called the Black Panther Brigade, and they joined on with us. Okay, but um, but just to stop you, yeah, were you born with the name Shakur? Or did you take up on it? 
mm-hmm. during your, their, your time period at, with the Black Panther. When I joined party. the New Black Panther Party, I had a, a government name. My last name was Williams. Okay. I legally changed my name to Shakur. Okay. Um, based upon my relationship with Dr. Matulu Shakur, which is Tupac Amaru Shakur's um, stepfather, mm-hmm. and he was an original Black Panther Party member, yeah. as well as a Black Liberation Army member. Okay. And um, we had a writing campaign with him, a group of us. And um, we was given a name based upon our leadership in the New Black Panther Party. So he gave okay. us that name, the Shakur last name. Our, absolutely. And I okay. met Tupac Shakur as well. And he said, you know, that's a dope name that, you know, us who are keeping the legacy alive should take on that name. Okay. Okay. I, I can I can respect that. Now, did you see the Tupac movie? Yes, I did. Okay. And Matulu um, Shakur was characterized by an actor. Yes. How'd you, did they get him right in that or <laughs> kind of not? Well, Hollywood never get, will will never get our stories one hundred percent right because it's acting. Yeah, it's a, it's a movie. It's, it's a, a movie. movie, but it's some accuracy in it. You know, he, he was a doctor. He was a very wise man. I think the person who played him played him okay, but nobody could play him like his real self. Okay. Um, he, he's definitely a man who has impacted the black community on many different levels. Um, his name his name is Doctor Matulu Shakur. Okay, he came up with the concept of how to use acupuncture to fight off drug addiction. Okay. How to fight off heroin addiction because heroin was definitely a large, you know, distribution factor in the urban communities, the black communities in the seventies after the Vietnam War, and it affected the original Black Panther Party members as they became users of that particular drug. Okay. So Dr. Malikutulu Shakur was definitely a very powerful individual, not only in the uh, new Black Panther, uh, the original Panther Party, mm-hmm. but into the black community and communities throughout America and throughout the world as an acupuncturist, doctor, and as a doctor in the medical field. Okay, okay. Um, so, what about the Tupac movie within itself? Did I mean, you feel like it, it it showed him enough in the right light, or it was too much Hollywood? Right. To me, you know, when I look at movies, I look at the accuracy. But at the end of the day, I watch it for entertainment factors. But we also have to look at, you know, why was the movie even done? Why was it even created? Why? Mm-hmm. Were, so I always looking at the why factor. Mm-hmm. So I took out some good things. I took out some bad things. But at the end of the day, the way in which I live my personal life my personal brand is always looking at the positive inside of the negative of things yeah. so the positive side of it is that Tupac's story needed to be told and it was told in an accurate way and an inaccurate way um, the inaccurate way of it is that when you start looking at the Tupac story you gotta look at the complexities of Tupac mm-hmm. Tupac has so many complex levels to him yeah. and the movie did not show the totality of you know Tupac um, as, a, as a human being as a human being yeah. it looked at it more of him as a musical artist and you know the impact of you know certain things of what his mother went through but in terms of the personal side of Tupac that's a story that definitely has to be told and I personally believe in a documentary form yeah. not in a movie form okay alright well uh, another question uh, this is kind of going off topic from it's okay from that one I was gonna say like uh, moving forward you know what I mean? yeah. as far as hip hop in the future what do you what what is the landscape gonna gonna mm-hmm. gonna change? Like what right. do you what do you view the future of hip hop? Hip hop is in a great position, actually. It's in a great position right it's, now. It's in a great position. And but the great position is is that nothing lasts forever. Well, hip hop will. You think hip hop will last forever? Hip hop will because hip hop will transform into another form. Okay. And hip hop is always evolving. And hip hop, like I said before, is a culture. It's not just music. It's a lifestyle. Okay. The future of hip hop lies in your hand. Okay. It don't lie in my hand. No, let me not say that. It lies in the intergenerational transformation. Yeah. Almost like the energy. 
Okay, okay, and almost like almost like the generation generational discussion, right? Which yeah. we're having right now yeah. is like needed to push the culture forward. Definitely. Um, let's look at it from a musical standpoint. Why has rock and roll lasted? I don't think it really it has, but it really. I mean, I don't listen to that. You don't, but millions of other people do. Yeah, but why is Mick Jagger still respected in, in rock and roll? Why is Sting still respected? It's because the youth of that culture yeah. respect their elders. Okay. The danger That's about true. hip-hop That's is true. that the youth of hip-hop don't respect their elders. Yeah. And this is the danger of hip-hop because when you don't respect your elders or you don't have an intergenerational conversation, my elders, with the young people because you feel as though they're dealing with bullshit... The information from the elders and the youth is not transferred, and then that's how cultures die. Okay. So what has to happen is conversations like this, because for me personally, I love all of hip-hop. Yeah. Me personally. But a lot of the elders in hip-hop don't. They will critique you guys who are the youth of hip-hop. I don't critique. I just watch and help you evolve the culture forward. So I think that the future of hip-hop is that intergenerational conversation so that the information between the youth and the elders and the elders and the youth, because this technology shit right here, I don't know this. Yeah. You know it. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> it's the youth. Got the millennial <laughs> age, man. I mean, right now, we online, we having this conversation right now. My generation didn't have this. We could only affect on media by going to Hot 97 or 105.1, but you don't even need radio. Mm-hmm. You are the radio. You are the industry. Okay. We needed the industry. Chance the Rapper won three Grammys, and he, don't, he never sold the album. Okay. In my generation You had to sell albums To get a Grammy You yeah. changed the whole game Okay And this is what Needs to happen Is that Your generation Needs to be More innovative And more creative With the conversation Between the youth And the elders Need to happen And that generational gap Is what's Is causing hip hop To be at a standstill Right now But it will transform And it will change Okay That was probably like My That was like one of my last questions for yeah. you, man. Uh, cool. Uh, let the people know. Look into the camera real quick. Let the people know how they can get in contact with you, man. Right. What's on the What's on store for uh, the rest of 2017 into 2018? Right. And uh, shout them out like your social media website, cool. all of that stuff, man. Well, my name is Doctor Jaja Shakur, the hip hop preneur, the ultimate hip hop hustler. That's J A H J A H S H A K U R, like Tupac Shakur. You can go to my website. My personal one is jajashakur.com. That's jajashakur.com. And I have a digital e-learning platform called True School University, the hip-hop business school. And that's trueschooluniversity.com. Trueschooluniversity.com. And all of my social handles is jajashakur. And that's on Twitter. That's on Facebook. That's on SoundCloud. You can definitely go there, check out my uh, information. Um, we definitely have some very powerful information on there about trademarks, about intellectual property, about how not to get jerked when you do hard work, how to uh, deal with publishing, how to deal with touring, merchandising, um, marketing, promotions, anything that record companies do. Me and my team teaches on my social media as well as my websites, jajashakur.com, as well as trueschooluniversity.com, and jajashakur on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, as well as on SoundCloud. We will win once we unite this culture and travel the world so that we can make sure that hip hop lives on, y'all. Shout out to the War Report one time, man. War Report, man, doing this thing, man. It will flourish. The War Report. Check it out, (laughs) y'all. No doubt. All right, let's sign it out, man. Thank you guys for tuning into this episode, man. Uh, 
Follow us on iTunes. Subscribe on iTunes. War Report Radio Series. Just type it in on iTunes podcast section. We are there. On Twitter, War Report Radio. On Instagram, War underscore report underscore dot radio. Um, excuse me, no dot. Just radio. Uh, two underscores, though. Um, on, what else am I on? Uh, that's, that's enough for right now. That's enough for right now. We're signing out for this one, man. Peace. Peace.